Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, and welcome back to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as the music podcast done by the musically disinclined, the podcast where two morons talk music. I'm Amanda. I'm Evan. And uh, so what's new with you this last week? We've had a very busy week since a, our, our last recording. I have a broken leg now. Because right, there, there's a cat sitting on you. Yep. We've had plays and band concerts and choir concerts for the niece and uh, just a lot going on. But we were able to throw together this episode. Um, before we get into it, do you have any corrections from last week's Ziggy Stardust? No, because I'm a robot and I'm perfect and I don't make robots. That's a stretch. That, wow. <laughs> well, we already determined you're a robot. Yeah, dead inside. So, no serious corrections? I don't think I have any corrections. Um, so, you want to get into it? Yeah, sure. So, if you couldn't tell by the opening of this episode, we are doing Nirvana's Nevermind, which was released in September of 1991, released on September 24th, um, and, you know, it's the one with the famous naked baby on the cover. Um, it holds the number 10 spot on the Rock and Roll Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list, and it's also ranked as the best album of the 1990s by acclaimed music. So, Evan, why don't you get us started with the history and relevant info and uh, interesting facts of the album. So, if you haven't found out by now, I like my timelines. It, yes. Yeah, it's, you have your organizing, I have my organizing. So, we have a little bit of a timeline, okay? Yep. So, this is their second album. So, their first album is Bleach. Mm-hmm. And it comes out in June of 89 for a budget of, do you know? No, I don't, because Bleach was not the... I know, but I didn't know how deep a dive you did into the kiddie pool. I did research into the album that we discussed, not anything else. I know you don't like water, because there are naked babies swimming around. What the fuck? $600. Okay. For Bleach. Do you know what the budget of Nevermind was? I have it in front of me because I have your notes, but please enlighten me. Add a couple zeros to the end of that. Right. 60000 Okay. Do you know how much it actually cost? How much? 120000 Yes. Okay. So they began to work on Nevermind like a year before it came out. So mm-hmm. they were working on it in 90. There's actually... So I'm going to jump ahead to a section that I normally give you, but it makes sense here. Does it? Yes, it does. Okay. So I like looking at all the tours and all that. They actually played uh, Breed and Polly in 89, and they played In Bloom and Lithium in 1990. Which So they're playing music from this album before it's actually on an official album. Yeah, they played two of them in 89, two years before yeah. this album. Okay. Which leads to the, they began working on it. More than a year ahead. Uh, they played Smells Like Teen Spirit live before they even recorded it in the studio. They played it in April. And on that note, on the tour, they're playing stuff from In Utero, which comes out in 93. So they're... 
So do you know why they did that? No, but it, it's one of those... It's not like uh, War Pigs came from a jam for Black mm-hmm. Sabbath. And then they turned it into... the. As far as I know, it's actual, the not the full version, but a, a version of the song instead of just the little jam session. Mm-hmm. Do you know where it was recorded? Where? Where was it recorded? <laughs> At Sound City in Van Nuys, California. Do you know what else was recorded there? I'm just going to ignore the notes in front of me and ask, what what else was recorded there? No, these weren't on these weren't oh, on the notes. Oh, you took them on? Okay. Uh, Foreigner's Double Vision. Okay. Pat Benatar's Crimes of Passion. Your favorite, uh... Dio's Holy Diver. Do you know what's on that? <laughs> is it Strongman Jumping? No, that's Rainbow in the Dark. Oh, okay. Strongman Jumping is Billy Squire. Oh, my bad. Uh, edit, 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 take this out. <laughs> no, leave it in. Uh, the first Rage Against the Machine album. And the first System of a Down album. Okay. So, I want to make sure that, because I have a quote, I'm going to slow down for a little bit. Uh, the original title was called Sheep. Uh, he, Kurt Cobain, where was it? It was, the title of Sheep was based off of an inside joke about how the masses would flock to their album. And I tried to find the fake ad that he mocked up for this, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming it was in studio and I can't find it. Uh, the slogan was, because you want to not, because everyone else is... And fake prophetic biography of the band that cited them as two times on the cover of Bowling Stone. <laughs> there, it was also mentioned by Time and Newsweek, but that doesn't really mm-hmm. play into audio. So T H Y M E and N E W S W E A K. Yeah. So they started recording in May and they got through one song with the drummer that they had from Bleach mm-hmm. uh, they got through Polly and I I listened to it earlier doesn't sound like there's a lot of drums I think it's more cymbals is what what the tracking okay. thought it was and they basically said fuck off Chad get your shit and get out and they took Animal from the Muppets as their new drummer. Animal nope. Animal nope. from the Muppets. Nope. Sorry. I read that wrong. They got the guy who played Animal from the Muppets as their new drummer. In the mid-2000s. Yeah. Oof. Dave Grohl played Animal. It's no shit. Yeah. Well, Animal. Animal. Yeah. He actually had a, uh, it was a different thing, but he actually had a drum battle with Animal. I did see that. He had a staring contest. No, Animal had a staring contest with the drummer from OK Go. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Go on. Yeah. Uh, so Dave Grohl's actually the f- their fifth drummer. So I don't know. It, it's kind of like um, I came across Offsprings had a bunch of different lineups, but it's mainly been their drummer that's changed over the years. Um, didn't Spinal Tap, wasn't that their whole thing? That their drummers would get quote unquote killed off. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Okay. I thought that was part of it. 
So this album was more focused on the music. Uh, Cobain would, mainly Cobain would write the music first and then the lyrics. Um, there are a couple things that, yeah, you don't like my notes, do you? No, because, okay, peek behind the curtain here. He wanted to do notes differently this time, right? Okay. And you sent me notes, and you asked me to organize them and color code them. So, like, you know what you're saying. You just went through and said the two things I had for the history. So now I have almost nothing to bring to this. So thanks for making me do more work and organizing all the notes into one episode and then taking everything. Good job. Thank you. Continue. (laughs) Making me be irrelevant. (laughs) Can I continue? Sure. Or do you want me to stop and let you Just go. (laughs) I don't want to go anymore now. I feel bad. No, you you have never felt bad in relation to me a day in your life. Continue. (laughs) Do you know who mixed the album? Well, yeah, mixed the album. No. Someone who did a Slayer album. It, it wasn't Rick Rubin who did Brain and Blood. It was Andy Wallace. I think it was um, South of Heaven. It was it was one of the nineties. I think it was I think it was nineteen ninety. Um, they liked the mix when they first heard it, and then it blew up. And the quote that I have is that in a during interviews with the biographer, Cobain was saying that it was such a perfect mixture of cleanliness and nice candy-ass production. It may be extreme to some people who aren't used to it, but I think it's kind of lame. Because mm-hmm. I think he was going for the other quote that I saw. His aim for the material was to sound... Do you have this note on your paper? Yeah. Was to sound like the knack. You know who the knack is. Mm-hmm. And the Bay City Rollers getting molested by Black Flag and Black Sabbath. That's a definitely a sound. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quote. I don't know what it, where it's from, but that's a quote. So I know I took all your shit, but <laughs> you have anything to add. So going back to the the one that you brought up about um, that, you know, Cobain's main focus was the music, music here. He said music first, lyrics later. Um, what is... What do you think is the most popular song off this album? Like, the most recognizable song? That is like, this is Nirvana. When you say, name a Nirvana song, what do you think people say? You probably think Smells Like Shakespeare. Right. So, that was his uh, uh, attempt to write the ultimate pop song. And it ended up, like, you can tell, based on the stuff you've shared... Nirvana, they didn't take themselves too seriously. Like, they wanted to do well, but they also fucked around a lot. And, like, we, we watched that video hey, the other like night us. about, what, what was it, um, what show was it, Unplugged? What? Uh, the performance of it? Yeah. I think it was the Top of the Pops. So, they just, they fucked around because they could. Easter egg to last episode, because that's where Ziggy Stardust, no, Starman was played. Mm-hmm. But... So he, in coming into this, like, he wrote Smells Like Tea Spirit 
to be a pop song and he was just fucking around with it but it became an unexpected hit that allowed the band to cross over into the mainstream that that didn't happen with bleached and they just they wanted to attract more attention and attract more fans so I think it did very well because, like I said, you you say name a Nirvana song, most people are gonna say "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yes. Have you listened to anything off of Bleach? No. I listened to it a little bit earlier. Um, Do you know why I didn't? Because the assignment was never mind, not Bleach. Oh, okay. Never mind. I don't need to do these. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, so just a little note about the recording. Um, I know you talked about where it was recorded and how this was the album that brought in Dave Grohl. Um, it went it went by in 17 days, and the songs they recorded rarely needed more than two takes to get the sound that the band wanted. They just they went in and they just did the damn thing and recorded it. I think Ziggy Stardust was a lot like that too. Mm-hmm. It didn't take long. They just, they went in they knew what they wanted to do. And they're like, yep, sounds good. Moving on. And so it only took 17 days, which I, I don't know a lot about the recording process, but I imagine it takes months to get what you want done and the sound like that you envision having well, done right. I, I, I could be wrong on this. I think Bleach was about 30 hours. I think Sergeant Peppers was like 50 hours. Mm-hmm. I know there was, this was something that I heard, uh, one of the Rush songs, they played it to kind of figure out where the mics sat, and then they played it again, and that's the take on the album. Mm -hmm. So you get from one extreme to the other. Because there was, there was another album that I found recently that was, it's like a 30, 35-minute album, and I guess it was recorded in like a day. Like, it was, like, start to finish. Mm-hmm. They played it a couple times. That's including their breaks. Okay. So, let's get into cultural impact, charting, sales, and reviews. So, uh, this album piloted the grunge and alternative rock scene that began in, to dominate the radio and MTV in the early 90s. Although Nirvana's fame did not last long due to Cobain's death, their impact is still heard in artists today like Billie Eilish, Post Malone, Olivia Rodrigo, and Lil Nas X. The album combined the pop melodies from the 60s and 70s that these band members grew up with and with the anger of the great guitar bands from Generation X. It also became the heart of grunge culture, essentially the goth movement of its time. You know, back in the early 2000s, you had all the emo stuff and the goth. Mm. This was like goth of its time. It's like everybody wanted to dress with the baggy jeans and the flannel. And, you know, like we just watched, rewatched Captain Marvel the other night. And, you know, that part where she... She finds that the clothing store and she rips the clothes off the, the mannequin out front of the store. And when she meets up with um, Nick Fury, he's like, he mentioned the grunge look. That was very 90s. The, the red flannel shirt and the jeans and some band t-shirt, you know, that's, they kind of like made that happen. Well, I, that might also be because most of it is from Seattle. It's fucking cold. But it's also because that's the kind of clothing they could afford. And that's just these piece together items that they just, you know, you can afford 
this pair of jeans and they have holes in them because you can only afford one or two pairs of jeans that are ripped to, to fuck and so you just have to wear them and you've got this dirty looking shirt but that's because you only have two or three shirts let's say you know and so they just they created a style because not because they were trying to be trendy but because this is what they were growing up with and this is what they had you know they had the money for and it just kind of spiraled into this big movement um so essentially if you think about it would there be hot topic today if it wasn't because of nirvana and and never mind you know what i mean like you walk into hot topic and it's goth and grunge and for some reason disney shit and like you know it's nirvana was a big part of that would we have hot topic today probably not Maybe. I mean, even if even if you want to look at what else was around at the time, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Soundgarden, uh, is it Mud Honey? Well, I'll get I'll say that I guess I'll skip ahead to that. Like Nevermind is credited with helping to launch launch other bands like Soundgarden, yeah. Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam into popularity, creating a culture defining moment. I have that on my notes. Oh, good for you. Um, so Nevermind, it was the contradiction that Generation X needed. It was pop, punk, but pop, angry, but mellow, and it spoke to these confused souls looking for direction. It allowed Gen Xers to move away from their baby boomer generation parents and start to dictate cultural no- norms on their own. Okay, so when exactly is Gen X? Gen X is, so I'm a millennial, and mi- millennial is like... Fucking millennials. <sighs> fuck you. It's... I don't know the exact years, but it's like mid to late seventies to mid eighties. Like I think it's like eighty six. Is I th- I can't remember if you are like right on the cusp of millennium, millennial, or if you're the next one after that. So Gen X is the generation right before mine. So Gen it's X. like late sixties. Late sixties. In the late seventies, yeah. And this would this would have been early nineties, so yeah, they would have been they would have been like eighteen to twenty. So yeah, so range. the baby boomer generation was a lot of, you know, parents, like mothers staying at home. It was you know your traditional mom dad household with kids. Dad was the breadwinner, and worked. Mom stayed home and took care of the house and took care of the family, and you you do things a certain way you you date you get married then you have a family you get a job you do this you go to college you 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 do what we dictate and generation x they were trying to get out of that why are you laughing i'm trying to talk all i can think of in my head is you keep saying generation x and all i'm thinking of is limp biscuit are you kidding i don't even remember which song it is but there's that there's that lyric in the middle of it. Are you are you fucking kidding me? No. Oh my god. Anyway. He speaks to me more than you do. So, getting out of you and your Fred Durst wet dream, like the so this generation they needed something to latch onto to move away from their parents. Heroin. I, I mean, you're not. Don't say that I'm wrong because that's a lot of. You hear you hear these bands, and you think of a lot of the heroin use. You know what I would like? You need to shut up. I would like a bell 
that every time you interrupt me, I can just ding it. I, and that, it that can be arranged. Like you just did it again. <laughs> that can be arranged if you would oh like. Oh my one. god! If you would like one for the next episode, that Stop can be it. arranged. So anyway, this this spoke to them. It was it was a little bit of everything that they needed, and it kind of like I said, it was punk but pop, angry but mellow, and it just kind of like drew all these people in, and it gave them a sense of direction, um, and it also worked to kind of dethrone those big hair metal bands that had been extremely popular at the end of the 80s and it just you had you know the the big hair metal like uh poison poison yeah thank you that were just dominating everything and finally something came in and said we're doing this different here we go hair metal is now a definitive style of the 80s and it just really couldn't go any far i mean those bands some of those bands still perform their shit today but it's hardly new yeah, there's that uh what is it that def leppard motley crew tour right there's um i found other rabbit hole it was something along the lines of hair metal band that like they kind of flew under the radar there was a band that that is doing that type of thing that only started a few years ago, mm-hmm. so it, it's there are still, but there, there but are roots. But now it's vintage, and it's things like tribute bands, and they're getting. Did you just fucking point at me when I said the word vintage? Well, I also was pulling my hair when I said the word roots in that one. I but, know I ignored that one, but thank you for bringing that up. Anyway, so. Nevermind is also credited for the explosion of the indie bands that we saw in the early 2000s, like the Strokes and the Arctic Monkeys. One thing I love about music is you can hear influences in just about everything. Like, this is a Beatles thing. This is, you know, this is Def Leppard. I can hear ACDC in this. Or, you know, it's everybody's influenced by something else and it, it goes all the way back you know the Beatles were influenced by somebody Presley was influenced by somebody and you just you keep going farther and farther back and they're all influenced like jazz was influenced by slave songs that the people sang when they're working in the fields and so it's just like everything is influenced by something else and I, I find that amazing so you're seeing never mind was influenced by the songs that they they heard growing up in the 60s and 70s, and it's influencing bands in the early 2000s. Well, go ahead. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like. And it's it's considered to set a precedent at the time in terms of not only music, but of style and attitude. We talked about how it did the grunge movement and how it, it gave these, these Gen Xers uh, a place for their angst and their anger, you know, and... I hate the fact that you have your hand raised. It's not a goddamn classroom. What? I know, but I'm letting you finish because I don't want to hear the thing. Just what? Uh, I'm gonna spoil something, but uh, there's one song specifically you talk about hearing influences. Uh, I can hear Offspring. Mm-hmm. Like I've listened to it. I'm like, this is an Offspring song. Yeah. Oh yeah. And. Offspring started in what, like '89, so I think Ignition was '92, so it was like a year after that, and it was a while before I think Smash. 
was 94, but you could definitely hear the start of it. Right. Can I say my last two points and then you can take over? Yeah, I'll let you say as many points as you want, as long as they're about pencils. Oh my god. Are you proud of yourself? Are you fucking proud of yourself? If a, you're... little, a little bit. Oh my god. So Nevermind sold 374,000 copies within seven days around Christmas time, ultimately hitting diamond status in March of 99 for reaching 10 million U.S. shipments. It reached number one on the Billboard 200 in January of 92. And the singles are Smells Like Teen Spirit. Do you know what that one reached on the charts? Mm, I have it in my notes, but I will let you I'll let you have your moment. It's called com- having a conversation. Yeah, I'll let you have your moment because I have something to say about what Okay, you it's number six. Um, come As You Are peaked at 32. Lithium at 64 and In Bloom, actually number five. Did better than Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I'm done. You may now have the microphone. My own microphone. Okay. I have my own because I am very special. You special is a word for you, yes. There are lots of words you could use for me. Um, so when it reached number one in January of 92, do you know what it knocked off the number one spot? Mm-mm. Dangerous. D- danger? What? Michael Jackson. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what it knocked off. Um... Do you know how long Dangerous had been on the chart before it got knocked off? No. A long time, probably. But I, I'd i have to guess that that came out in, what was after Thriller? And wasn't bad after Thriller, or was bad before? I think Dangerous was like 80, 87, 88. That's what I, mm-hmm. in that range. Okay, so I... I'm going to steal your notes and read a couple more things. And then I have, then I will let you go on a, I will kind of poke and prod you in the right spot so you can speak. Thank you, male, for telling a woman when she can speak. I appreciate that. <laughs> Would you like my notes so you could just read the rest? Just, just say your notes. <laughs> uh, I did see in a review that Nevermind is a record for people who'd like to like Metallica, but can't stomach their lack of melody. Mm-hmm. And even... I was reading something today. The the Black Album, and there was another one that came out within, like, a month. Uh, it was like, never mind the Black Album, and there was one more that all came out towards the end of 91, and it just all started. Everything changed. Um, let's see, I I will, okay, um, it was added to the National Recording Registry, I think that that's becoming a theme with these, is all of these are inducted into that, uh, registry, art, um, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which I'm not surprised, I mean, this list was the top 200, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you would think that they're on that list for a reason. I bet, I bet all of these are on there, really. Well, a good, I'm gonna say maybe seventy five percent of them have to be. Yeah, I mean there there's some that I'm gonna guess aren't, but we'll have to. Mm-hmm. Do the research. Yeah. Cite your sources. Mm, just do the research and just take credit for it. <laughs> Great lawsuit. Okay, continue. 
Uh, I have seen that there were some not so great reviews originally. Uh, the Boston Globe was less enthusiastic. Um, it was quoted as most of Nevermind is packed with generic pop, generic punk pop that had been done by countless acts from Iggy Pop to Red Hot Chili Peppers and added the band has little or nothing to say settling for moronic, ram moronic ramblings by singer lyricist Cobain and you listen to some of those you're like yeah I, I can see that yeah um do you want to get into the weird owl thing the rest of this section is yours you say what you want to say it's all you boo boo you don't want to talk about Weird Al? You, I highlighted it for you. You were the one that gave me the note on that. I get no, left it. For I you. said, oh. I left that in the notes. I said, move that to this section so you can discuss it. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> you can't do it the entire time. I will sit here covered my mouth. You cannot do that voice the entire time. <laughs> So Weird Al parried the song in 92 with um, Smells Like Nirvana. It's a song about Nirvana itself. Cobain quickly gave permission because I don't know how many people actually know that. Weird Al will not record the parody song until he gets permission from the artist, the original artist. And he doesn't have to. He, no, he doesn't have to. He just does it out of courtesy and respect. There are... Do you know who's denied him? Um, Paul. Paul McCartney? Uh, yes, mainly because Paul's a vegetarian, but the main one that keeps, that kept denying him, hmm. Prince. Um, not surprised. Yeah, he'd ask him every couple of years just to see, so I think the, I think the quote that I saw from Weird Al is, he would ask him every couple of years just to see if he lined up. Mm-hmm. So, Cobain quickly gave permission, but asked it's not about food, is it? And Yankovic answered, no, it's about how nobody can understand your lyrics. And upon hearing the parody, Cobain and his band members laughed hysterically. Yankovic has said Cobain told him he realized that Nirvana had finally made it when he heard the parody. Anything you want to add about the note you gave me? I don't know what note I gave you. I don't pay attention. Clearly. Finish talking about your stuff so we can move on to personal reviews. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, I don't... You I'm, are... I'm reading through. I can't think of anything that I, I want to... I just want to go off on other tangents, but... Okay, so you want to talk about personal reviews right now? Yeah, and again, you can go first. So, uh, while I listened to this album, I kind of did it differently than the way I did Sgt. Pepper's and Ziggy Stardust. Um, this album came out despite what you're about to argue with me about, it came out when I was nine. So I did, sh shut up. I am not, I was not 10. I was nine. You fucked it up yourself. What? Wait, what? What did I do? You fucked it up yourself. You were eight. This came out in 90. 91. Oh, I thought it came out in 92. So I was eight. Okay. And <laughs> I forgot when I said it came out. So it was eight. So, I had uh, no idea, you know, who this was, and um, so I, I pretended, like, when I was, okay, so when I was listening to this at work, I pretended like I was an angsty teen in the 90s, right? So, um, like I said, I didn't hit 
my teenage years until the mid 90s and I wasn't even old enough to know who know who they were. Um, I did not actually discover them until I was in middle school or high school. Um, and even then I remember listening to the popular songs I heard on MTV at the time and I I liked them. But what is that face? MTV played music at one point? Oh, fuck off. I hate you so much. I die. Um, so anyway, th- so this was the first time I've ever listened to the full album as a whole. Um, so while I pretended to be that angsty teenager, I really got it. Like it clicked for me. And I thought about what it was like for teens at that time to be locked away in their rooms, laying on the bed with their eyes closed, blaring this through their headphones, just feeling like, yes, somebody really gets what I'm going through. It's dark and it's angry and I can really relate to those feelings of being alone and like no one understands you. This album pulls in those feelings and creates a sort of space, safe space and I appreciate that. So on this album, my least favorite song was Territorial Pissings. Um, To me, it felt a lot harder than the rest of the album and it just didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the songs. Yeah, and it's, I thought, I thought the same thing about Endless Nameless, but the placement of that song at the end, to me, made more sense. Pissing was just in the middle and fell off to me. Well, that's the start of the second side of the album. Okay, but if you're just listening to it straight through, I know, but it's not you, a record to flip over. I know, but when you flip it over, that's, that's what catches it, and then, so, yeah. the placement of it on the album... I can understand. Okay. Well, that see, not knowing that, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I looked that up earlier because I that kind of plays into my review. Yeah, but still, for me, compared to everything else, it was just a little too hard, and I just, I don't know, I didn't like it. Um, but my favorite song is In Bloom. Um, and while I really like Teen Spirit and Come As You Are, In Bloom just really sticks with me. I like the lyrics. I like the sound of it. Everything was good. So it was... Like I said, I did this one a little different, putting myself in a mind space of that teenager because it was right at the cusp, right before I hit it. And I remember, you know, uh, high school, we'd have to be at school at the butt-ass crack of dawn and (laughs) butt-ass crack of dawn. (laughs) And we'd have show choir practice before school started. So it's you know, almost, it's like 6.50, 7 o'clock in the morning, and as a warm-up, I was in the orchestra, and as a warm-up, they would just start playing Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, because it's such a recognizable and easy drum right in the beginning, and then just to be funny and get all the other kids kind of waking up, somebody would grab a mic and just start saying random lyrics that made no sense, you know, and just kind of, and that was like really my first take of it. And I could, I remember it. This is popular, you know? And so, yes, you okay. share. Uh, do you want to give your... My ratings? Yeah. I think that's how this is going to have to work. It's just going to... Reviews and ratings? Yeah. Um, I give it a 4 out of 5. Four, 4.5 out of 5. See, there was no I've concrete... letter grades for the other two. And I have asked you specifically, multiple times... Not Pacifically, like the Pacific Ocean next to, I think that's next to Seattle. Can you just, I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to get up and I'm going to throat punch you. 
We we have not. If you're gonna laugh, laugh into the mic so people know that you think I'm funny and not being mean. No, you're <laughs> mean to me. Shut up. Um, we have not decided. You just keep changing your mind. So I'm gonna. I stick... have not changed my mind in all three of this is now the third one. In all three of them, I have done a letter grade. Okay, so I give it a B plus then. Is yeah. that fair, yeah. sir? Do you think it's fair? I'm asking, is a B plus okay on your random letter grade scale? That's not the letter grade I gave it, but okay. What is your review? So it's essentially two separate EPs. You've got the good side, which goes until uh, Polly, just mm-hmm. six. And then you've got the, I want to say experimental side, which is Territorial Pissing, Strain You, Lounge Act, mm. those. The first side is good. The second side lost me. Yeah, most of their singles are from the first side. Most of the popular songs are from the first side. I mean, there's, there's some good stuff on the second side, but there's um, something in the way. But I like the cover version better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Avatar. Endless Nameless, I didn't hate. It's... Well, you like a lot of harder stuff than I do. Well, Endless Nameless is their revolution number nine. Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. You just got kind of get random noises in there. Um, yeah, Territorial Pissings. I was okay with that because it, like it was like an early offspring. But it started to lose me on Drain You. Because I don't know if you turn on the lyrics when you listen to it. Go back and listen to that song and read the the lyrics in front of you from it. And Mm -hmm. you'll be like, okay, this is starting to get a little little off off the beaten path. And then it it seems like that kind of continues. And there's, there's even a point in... On a plane where there's a line, "What the hell am I trying to say?" Mm-hmm. Like you can you can throw that into the entire back half of the album. So it starts off strong, really really strong, and I get that a lot of that was the singles, but it starts off strong and then it just kind of it just falls. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you put some of those first six like on the back half of it, and you have just some random filler in the middle of it. It's a different story, but it it fell and it once it once that drop off it so it has to be a B minus. I mean it was it was great and then it just once it once that point and had it had it been had the tracks been on there differently it even with the same tracks in a different order, it might have gone up a little bit mm-hmm. just because of it's not a solid block right? of where it's just, this doesn't. Yeah. And again, you know, like I've said in both episodes so far, it's, it's what you're into and what your tastes are. And it just, it didn't speak to you like it does to others. And it, you know, it's just, it's just not your thing. And we have some that are coming up that it's just, it's not my thing and I'm not looking forward to, but it's just, it's not to say that it's, Ta- you know, terrible or, or bad or anything. It's just it's just not what you're into. Your ear holes just aren't vibing with it, and that's all it is. I, would you like your final thoughts first? 
You can continue. Say yours. So, I called Sergeant Pepper's boring. I mean, it... I remember. And you hated every second of that conversation. That was a traumatizing event for me. You tried to block that out, but you can't. I'm trying to suppress a lot of things. A lot of our <laughs> So, this is... This on the other side, it's not necessarily boring, but it's a simple... I mean, I'm not... I don't play... But you listen to it, it's it's a lot of that, like the 90s, like the early Green Day, the early Offspring. It's, it's more the, the simple chords, just the, the song structure is repeated. <laughs> Bubblegum pop, but make it grunge. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's simple. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this came first, but, you know, Presidents, mm-hmm. um, Offspring, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. But it's better. Like the president's is it's the same kind of thing. It's it's dumb. It does not take itself seriously. It's very mm-hmm. it's very simply structured, but it just sounds better. Yeah, I, I I understand. Yeah, but you can like I heard offspring and I could hear a little bit of rise against. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I did have my note that it killed hair metal but you took my <laughs> you took my things thunder bye bye so you ready for my final thoughts then i don't want to listen to your thoughts anymore fair um well like i said before i don't know a lot of nirvana this was i really only knew the popular songs like smells like teen spirit and come as you are um and like many other artists from this list we're pulling from, I know the major hits, which are probably the singles that have been released from each album. I can appreciate what this album did for a generation and can easily see how it opened the floodgates for so many um, and how it shaped a, a genre. Like you think grunge, your mind goes to Nirvana. Like that's, you may not say it first, but it's top five easily. And it's, it's because of this. Yeah, it's because of this. So you ready to list your resources? Yeah, that you took. You want me to go for I had two off the list, and I just, instead of saying them twice, I just kept them on my list. But you should have yours in front of you. Um, so thank you to Nirvana's Nevermind, 10 Things You Didn't Know, um, written by Brittany Spanos, published on September 23rd of 2016 in the Rolling Stone. List stealer. Source <laughs> stealer, sorry. Thank you to How Nirvana Redefined Teen Spirit and Rewrote Rock with Nevermind by Paul Sexton, published September 24th in 2021 on youdiscovermusic.com. No comment? No. Thank you to Nirvana, the stories behind every song on Nevermind, posted by Stevie Chick on September 23rd, 2021 on Kerrang.com. I'm sorry, you inhaled. Are you about to say something? I did see something on Craig, but I don't remember what it was. I don't even remember if it was for this album, but I just remember I was doing some research for one of these and that popped up, but I don't, like I said, I don't remember what it was. Thank you for interrupting for Ding. that. Ding. Uh, let's see. Thank you to 30 Years Later in Search of the Real Impact in Nirvana's Nevermind by Michael Wood. Uh, published September 23rd, 2021, LA, in the LA Times. Thank you to Nirvana at 30, How Nirvana Album Shook the World um, by Arwa Hader. Published September 23rd, 2021. Are you seeing a pattern here? 
A lot of these are posted September 23rd of 21. Not all of them. There's one of 24. Yeah. Um, on BBC. Um, and thank you to the lasting cultural and musical impact of Nirvana album Nevermind by Mick McStarsky, published September 24th, 2021 on uk. And Evan, go ahead. See, you're trying to go with the 30th. I was trying to go with the original because I found a... The original from the original review from New Musical Express, written by Steve Lamack from September of ninety one, and the original Rolling Stone review by Ira Robbins, which was also in ninety one. So I tried to go back in time in the Wayback Machine that we broke. Could you stay there? Just just go back in time and stay the fuck there. Could you? Depends. Do you want to relive all of these experiences? <laughs> because that's what happens if I go the way back. We just... Like, no, you by yourself. I know. Go the way the fuck back. Go to, like, 1800s and just stay there. Bye. I would not stay in the 1800s because I'd continue to live and I'd go into the 1900s. Yeah, this album was released in the late 1900s. Fuck off. Okay. Do you have any more sources to thank? My brain. All right. We're moving on. So, um, do you have any recommendations you want to share this week? I, I got to listen more into Bleach and more into, like, the early offspring, but I think that's very similar sounding. Um, I did... Ah, I made my notes really, really tiny. Okay. Um, the Avatar cover of Something in the Way. Um, it's off of Hail the Apocalypse. And the other homework that you refused to do was the OTEP cover of Breed that was on The Ascension. Are you <laughs> That I refused to do? You just sent it to me two minutes before I was walking out of work and I have to drive 30 minutes in the middle of a cornfield and I couldn't get it to play on Apple Apple Music because no service in the middle of the cornfield. So it's not that I refuse. You're a jerk. I sent it to you six minutes before you had to leave work. Oh, I am sorry. I am so... Sorry, I lied to you. It's not the first time. Oh my god. Okay, so my recommendation... Is to jump off a sharp cliff. For you, yes, do that. But also Ghost. Just Ghost in general. Like, I cannot stop listening to Ghost. And I know you're mad about that, and I don't care, but um, if you haven't checked out Ghost, just do it. Like, I love every every song. I just, I love it. And I'm falling down this rabbit hole online. I love it. Um, so before we leave, I have a surprise for you. Is it another cat? No, it's not. <laughs> We're not bringing another animal in this home. Um, I decided to throw in something interesting. We'll see if it takes off. But I thought, um, out of this relationship, who has issues communicating? Okay, the fact that you literally just pointed to me proves my point that it is you <laughs> you're laughing so hard right now so i no, i'm not i have a straight face i have a complete straight <laughs> face i don't know why she's trying to make me sound like some kind of asshole so one thing i thought is like we, we're kind of struggling like 
out outside of the facts, you know, here we're having a little trouble communicating. Like when I'm asking you, how are you doing? Or is there anything you want to share? You're like, why would I talk to you? We talk all the time. Why would I need to share that with people? Or these recommendations, you're not really like elaborating or whatever. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll bring another little trivia thing for you so you can converse and we'll play a little game. For you. How about that? How about that? So here's my new segment. It's this day in music history. So what? Do you hate it already? No, the day of recording Yes. Or the day of release? Well, we don't know when we're releasing, so we're going by day of recording. Okay. So this day of music history, so we're recording March 28th. Is it? It is March 28th. Okay. Do you know where you are? No. Clearly. So, and I, I just picked, there's a, a butt ton of stuff that happened to, on this day, but I picked only the ones where I thought that you might be interested in them or like they were... I didn't have to go into a lot of explanation as to who a person was or, or that stuff. What? No. No. Ask your thing. Are you omitting a certain names from the information that I have to guess? I have to fill in the blank. We're not doing a fill in the blank, but I'll ask questions. Okay. On some of them. I couldn't format all of them as okay, a question. So we're not doing fill in the blanks. No. Okay. So on this day on March 28th, okay? Okay. In 1964... Madam, what? I said I was not alive. I said I was not old, but I was not alive either. Ding. In 1964, Madame Tussauds in London unveiled the first wax images of pop stars. Who were they? I would imagine it would be the Beatles. You are correct. March 28, 1968, Pink Floyd recorded a performance for the BBC alongside three different bands. Do you want to give them a guess? Were they big at the time? I don't know that. I'll give you one of them. The Who. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you recognize all three names? Yeah. That's kind of why I put it in here. 68? Yeah. We have we have a record of this one on the wall. Is one of them Zeppelin? No. Okay. And it's a person. You name the person, but that's not the name of the band. Do you... Is it Hendrix? Yep. The Jimi Hendrix Experience okay. and Cream. So okay. They recorded it, but it was later broadcast in September. March 28, 1970. Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Trouble Water reached number one in the UK. This was their only song to do so in the, in the UK. Okay. Um, 73. Led Zeppelin... Led... Bleh, wow. Led... Zeppelin released Houses of the Holy, their fifth studio album. This title was a dedication to their fans who dubbed their concert venues uh, as Houses of the Holy. And actually, I believe Houses of the Holy is on physical graffiti. Okay. Thank you for your insight. Mm -hmm. uh, in 76... Genesis began their first North American tour since Peter Gabriel left the band. Okay, so that must have been when Phil Collins. Yep, took over as lead singer. Um, 82. David Crosby. You know the name? Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and sometimes young. Sometimes old. Fuck, I hate you. 
David Crosby was arrested after a car crash in San Diego. Police found cocaine and a gun in the car. When asked why he carried the gun, Cos Crosby replied, Do you know what? You know what he said? It's two words. I'm horny. Are you serious? I'm murdery. Oh my god. His response was, John Lennon. Hmm. When was that? That was 80. I don't know for sure. In 1992, I'm a, I want the artist that did this. Okay. Okay. At the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in California, approximately $100,000 worth of damage was done when this artist invited the first two rows of audience members up on stage. It is uncertain whether or not bats were involved. Oh, Ozzy? Ozzy, yep. Uh, my, my immediate thought was Green Day. And, well, yeah. Because I know they did a performance with, there was a bunch of mud in it, and I know there was a mm -hmm. issue, okay. In 2001, the artist formerly known as Puffy and Puff Daddy announced his official name change to P. Diddy, which would later be changed to just Diddy. And in 2013, what? Do you know why it was Diddy? The look on your face tells me I'm about to regress, regret asking this, but why? Because he wrote songs, a.k.a. Diddy's. I'm done. I'm, I'm so fucking done. I hate you so much. I'm done. <sighs> My last one. Justin Bieber's monkey was detained in quarantine in Munich. <laughs> this day in 2013. I also have some Born This Days for you. Okay. Okay. How about a person? And I'll try to guess the year. Okay. Have the years. John Evan. I do have the years because I was smart. John Evan. I have no idea who that is. Okay. He's the keyboardist from Jethro Tull from 1970 1980. Uh, 70 to 80. So, uh, 44. 48. I was going to say 43 originally. Reba McIntyre. 60s. No. 54. Close. And I know you're not going to know this name. Okay. Cheryl James. She is Salt of Salt and Peppa. Uh, 69. I'm probably going to butcher this last name. Dave Kooning. Uh, uh, K-O-E-N-I-G? K-E-U-N-I-N-G. Okay. He's the guitarist for the Killers. Mm. 1976. And if you don't get this one... You're going to be mad. I might be. Like real mad or fake mad? Do I ever really get mad at you? Probably. Just not to your face. Um, Stephanie, Joanne, Angelina, Germanata. Hold on. So that would be... I guess that was about 2008. So working backwards. What? what? Would be... What is happening with your thought process right now? Well, I'm trying to think of when the first album came out, and I'm trying to think about, about how old she would have been. So I would have think she would have been about 21, 22. So you know who this is? Yeah. Who is it? Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Because I remember I got my head shaved by a gay guy who liked, who liked Lady Gaga. Fair. What year? So that would have been about 2008, so if she would have been 21, 22 at that point, she was born in math. Okay, I'll give you a hint. 
It's between my birth year, my real birth year, and your birth year. So you want to split the difference? Sure. You call it 74? Are you? What the, how old do you think I am? She was born in 86, you motherfucker. That's all I have. So, thank you for listening to our show. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the worst, nope, at worstpodonmars and email us at worstpodonmars at gmail.com. Um, if you like the show, and we hope that you do, but after listening to this one, probably not, please rate and review us. Um, come back next week for our next episode on Metallica's Master of Puppets. Until then, bye bye